the scripture. You read it for me, wouldn't you? Yeah, sure. He's going to be the interrupter. Acts chapter 9. 10 to 25, 23. Okay, if you will turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, please. Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 10 to 23, was it? Yes, please. 10 to 23. Acts chapter 9, starting to read at verse 10. Why don't we stand while we're reading God's word this this evening? I'm still stuck on this morning. I don't know why. (laughs) Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on, on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, "Brother brother Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? And he and has and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength, and and confounded the Jews uh, who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. I can't remember how far I was supposed to go. Pardon me, twenty-three. That is it then. Thank you. I thought that was it, but it seemed like it ended somewhere it wasn't supposed to. (laughs) Thank you. Lord bless his word. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Larry. And thank you, dear folk, for having us here again this evening. I thought it would have been enough for you this morning. Uh, And you're back faithfully again. Thank God for his people. And uh, yes, one thing I'd like to do, which probably I did not do sufficiently this morning, and that is to relate 
few things regarding the gospel mission of South America. Uh, Brother Breeden, you of course will all know him. He was one of the board members many, many years past. And uh, that's where I commenced with the mission. I don't know how many years passed. But after that, anyway, uh, they asked if I would come to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, for a particular board meeting, and they appointed me to be the Canadian director, which then was a position that we had for 12 years. So I was back and forth to South America, to Florida, and back home again. And I found that about three, way, three weeks away from my spouse was just about enough. Uh, anyway, that was my tours from time to time, and I also realized that as it's very costly to be traveling, that, uh, Lord, I want to make this an evangelistic effort every time I go, and seldom, ask yes, all about it, seldom, if ever, there was a time that I was not able to report that we had the privilege of leading some soul to Christ uh, in the airports particularly. A lot of lonely people, they're going somewhere, but they don't know why they're going there. Sometimes they might not even know where, where they're going. But we found a lot of hungry souls. And on one occasion, it was a business lady with the gospel. She was not with the gospel mission, but when I was with the gospel mission. And uh, that is between uh, Buenos Aires and Santiago. And one of my daughters, one of our daughters, was uh, with me. And uh, she sat at the window, I sat in the middle, and we had one seat left over. And uh, there was quite a stately lady uh, dressed with money kind of thing. She sat beside me, and I assumed that she would be invariably speaking Spanish. But I'm there to seek to minister the word, so I thought I'd make an attempt. And she was very, very fluent in English. So I shared the gospel with her, and this is what she told me. She said, you know, the time that I was the closest to God is when I was among the Mapuche Indians. And I and my daughter, I think, was with me too on this trip because we went various trips of various ways when we were there. And I was among the Mapuche Indian folk too. Sweet people, but their stature is very small. They're the only tribe that the Spanish could not conquer, as a matter of fact, if you read it up in history. Well... She says, you know, the closest that I ever got to God is when I worship the trees. Well, what would you call that, an animist? She was animistic. Now, how, pray tell, am I going to address a lady like that? Well, if you don't know what to do, I, might, I would suggest pray about it. So while I was listening, I was also praying. And this is what God brought to my attention. And that is, I can agree with her. So I told her, you and I, we have something in common. You worship the trees, and I worship the God of the trees, and he's given me perfect peace. She looks at me, she said, I'd like to have that peace. Well, you know the rest of the story. I had the privilege of leading this dear soul to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. Who was she? She'd just flown back home from Italy. She had a factory, or has a factory. Maybe it's had now, maybe it's past tense. But um, she had a factory in... Uh, Argentina, or rather in, in Santiago. So that was one. Many times we have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in our mission work with GMSA, Gospel Mission of South America. I recall of a, 
a Jewish family, and I was sharing with Brother Bob and his dear wife a bit earlier. I got your name right. I think he called you Don once before. <laughs> but anyway, um, and how this Jewish couple came to know the Lord. What was their problem? Well, they were very elderly. They were, uh, he particularly was a survivor, the only survivor of his family uh, that went through Auschwitz. And his father had seen what was going on, and he said, son, you hide, hide over there. And he did, and of course the Russians liberated that place, and he consequently lived to tell the story, but lost all of his family. So when I was witnessing to him, he was pretty well asking me, where is this God anyway? We talked about some complications this morning that we may have. What about some of those kind of complications? Well, dear me, as we went on in the conversation, uh, I had my little black book, which he called it. It was a New Testament. And he says, where is the signature of that God in that book? He says, I have a lot of books, and they have the signature of the authors in it. Would you have an answer for that? At the moment, I didn't. What do you do? You pray some more. So I prayed, God, what should I relate? And it came to me. Uh, Brother Bob, Ezekiel, we were talking, I think, about something of that nature. Uh, chapter 38 and 39. How? Because your people, not necessarily uh, the general public, but your leadership, denied the Lord Jesus Christ and ultimately ended up crying, crucify him, crucify him. That wasn't good enough. And they said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. We saw it, dear folk, because I went through the Second World War as a guy about this big and how the Jewish people are still and still always will remember one lady running down the street ahead of the Nazis and others that in few cases where some of our family members hid some of the Jewish people. Well, anyway, I had to think, and I said, look, hasn't this transpired? Wilbur was his name. Is it Wilbur? You know, you cried, his blood be upon us and upon our children, and it has transpired to this particular generation. And it's this God whom you have denied, and here, look at your wife, is in a wheelchair. I'd long to pray for her, but if you deny the Creator, the, the one who can make her whole, what's the use? How can I do that? And I shared the gospel with him very distinctly, and then he reached out for my hand, and we prayed together for his salvation and his dear wife's salvation. And also there was a lady sitting on my side that already communicated with her, and uh, she was a believer. She was from Santiago, even though this transpired in the Toronto airport. And um, I said, uh, my sister, you better come and pray with me. So we had the two of us praying for this couple, and I said, now let's pray for Wendy, was her name. So we prayed for Wendy, and uh, she was debilitated. She'd lost her speech as well as being in the wheelchair. I do not know what her particular problem was. But then, of course, all too soon, she was being whisked off because they needed assistance to get aboard. But anyway, cutting it a bit short, she turned around and looked at me, and she said, thank you. She wasn't able to speak. So I was told, but she was able to speak. So that was a beautiful experience, and there was one, af af one after the other in regards to some of these experiences we've had in the airports. So I make it a point to go and touch lives, sit with them, talk to them. What's your problem? 
and if they have one, and uh, so on. And we've had the sweet privilege of touching many lives. Now, we have some of the folk from the college here that are over there. The stewards, you will know them. They're graduates of the school. And uh, we have one couple that's going to be off to the language school very shortly. Steve and Rosalie Mullen, do you remember that? Anybody that uh, specifically has them on mind? And uh, a choice young man. He was with me on a trip to South America a couple of years ago. I wasn't sure if he was going to become a candidate for going with the gospel mission of South America. But he came home and uh, rolled up his sleeves and he got involved and uh, he was accepted as a missionary and now he's on his way. He's seeking to raise his support. He's got 70% uh, last time I talked to him, which is a couple of weeks ago. And uh, my, what a choice lad. I think that he's probably going to end up somewhere in leadership. That's his quality, I would think. So pray for that couple and think about him. If you've got room uh, in your pocketbook and in your heart for a man and a couple like that with a little sweet girl, think about them and get them on their way as soon as you can. We need many, many more. Anyone else that would like to go with us to South America? Yes, I see that hand. Any others? <laughs> Honestly, you know, it's a small mission, but it's, it's just made to fit you. You know, we're just a humble, down-to-earth little crowd of people seeking to do the work. What's going on over there? It's in Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay. We have some material at the back. I trust that you'll pick that up and uh, familiarize yourself with the mission. But in Argentina, Chivalcoy, uh, there's a big building program going on, and it's contemplated to be ultimately for various missions, but it's with GMSA, it'll be up to the degree of seminary. Another school is being built right now, and uh, that is in Montevideo, Uruguay. And if there's any place where I would like to be on a full-time basis, I think probably I would give serious consideration to Uruguay. It's a, a very pastoral kind of a situation. There's about three million people there, and they tell me nine million cows. So obviously it fits right in with a Dutchman, you know, who was born beside a Holstein cow. But anyway, we uh, trust to see that school operating. I think right now there's uh, 17 enrolled. So it's a, it's a beginning for a school to raise up those who will reach out into the highways and byways. More could be told in regards to that. Now, <clears throat> there was a request that came and I think, Brother Larry, I don't know, you must have put them up to it by saying, you know, why don't we exercise the bird tonight? But we were over to Donna's for dinner, and I forgot to inform her that I needed a little bird seed, so she didn't have any bird seed for me. So I'm going to have difficulty with that. But uh, I did think I would do something else, and it always amazes me. When you look at that great big instrument over here, I would love to see the pianist put that in her purse. It's not quite the same, perhaps, but I'm fairly close to being able to make as much noise with the little instrument that I have. As a matter of fact, I picked that up 
in Argentina. I've had various ones, but I kind of enjoy this one. And if you don't mind, I will practice on you. And uh, that's my little harmonica. But I've got to be so extremely careful because if I inhale too much, it'll be gone. It's that small. But it does make quite a, quite a noise. So we'll see if it'll work. And the thought that comes to my mind is when I survey the rugged cross. And uh, I normally do it because I don't have to look at the notes. Can't see them anyway. Um, I have my eyes closed. And when I have my eyes closed, I begin to almost see the Lord on the cross and that the blood was flowing. For who? For me. For you. So I'm going to see if we, if it's in this thing this evening. matter with you? I would, I think, uh, Don, it was a crumb that was in there from supper time. Well, oh my, it's exciting. Aren't you excited about knowing the Lord? Hey, listen, the best is yet to come, right? Amen. When's it going to come? I don't know, but aren't you somewhat of the opinion? It's just on the horizon. The Lord is coming soon. Oh, they tell me, you know, yes, but these things have always been going on. Wars, rumors of wars, there's been this, that. But, you know, this is the first time since the scattering of the Jewish people that they're together again. And what did the Lord say in Luke chapter 21? that this generation shall not pass by without them seeing the coming of the Lord after that Israel begins to bud. And that was, can you remember the specific time when Israel became a nation again? May 14th, 1948. So I'm telling you, you better pray up, pay up if you're behind in your tides, and uh, pay up and uh, pack up and be ready to go up because it's coming very soon. Am uh, I in the right congregation here? Do you believe me? Amen. Well, then shout it out, because we're on our way very, very soon. 
In the interval, we, of course, have a lot, a lot of work to do. I'd venture to say, if I asked, do you have any loved ones that are still outside of the fold? Everyone would raise his hand and her hand. We have those for whom that we would and ought to agonize. Somewhere along the way, we were talking a bit earlier about Flight 370 that's gone down. And the CNN is just loaded with material on this from morning till night. And uh, I think 12 nations are looking for that downed plane. And that is because, physically speaking, these people are at the present moment lost, probably are lost, but they're not saying that they are in total. There may be survivors. We'll wait to see. Now, if the church would be mobilized to that situation, when we're looking at people that are lost, lost, and we're not talking just lost, but lost for eternity. How the church of Jesus Christ ought to be mobilized in order to reach them near and far. And may God burden us to do what needs to be done and not be so occupied with self and this world, but be occupied with reaching others before it's forever too late. And uh, we read through this section of the Word and on through the book of Acts particularly and discover how that folk paid such a price. They gave it up and they were scattered by way of persecution and they reached the then known world for Jesus Christ. And there were churches that were built in multitudes of places. And they will be rewarded because of it. And uh, so will we. This church is known as a missions uh, supporting church. Be missionaries yourself. As I mentioned this morning, if each one of you would start by praying, God, lay some soul upon my heart to pray and win that soul and see them come down this altar and uh, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That would be exciting for you. That would be exciting for this church. And I notice there's a little room on this side. So if we would all do that, be praying. As a matter of fact, talking about that, no, don't worry, I'm going to get to my message in a minute. Um, if each one of us would think of this, which we have started to undertake about a month ago, and the devil doesn't like it, we're praying that God will send us a good old-fashioned Holy Spirit revival. And we have a number of people right now in our small congregation, and a few others from without are coming on board, and I'll say, Yes, we will too. We'll pray for 15 minutes every day that God, by his Holy Spirit, will move in upon us and grant us one of those good old-fashioned Holy Spirit revivals. Now, that seems like quite a block of time, or does it? I'd venture to say, but I would suggest if you do, keep your eyes open. But if you drive from here to Woodstock, that will be about 15 minutes, and you can pray, God, grant us a good old fashioned Holy Spirit revival. Amen? I'm telling you, we are in dire straits in North America. The northern bear is beginning to bare his teeth, and the eagle down south is beginning to lose its feathers. And we're, go we're going to see some astronomical things invariably in our lifetime, irrespective of how old you may be. We're going to see some real alterations, from my point of view, very soon. So right now, right now, only right now, we've got the opportunity 
to still pluck a few from the burning. So let's be about the master's business. Are you with me? So think about it. Why don't you get that going here? We're going to pray 15 minutes a day and ask God by his Holy Spirit to intervene in our lives and our ministries. And as I think I shared this morning, that, you know, I always seek to pray. Yes, pray for my dear wife and uh, for my children, our children. And um, then God, by your Holy Spirit, rise up within me. Cleanse me. Rise up within me. And to divine, give me a divine appointment today. I think I shared with you his name is Roger in this area. I had the privilege of leading to Christ yesterday. And it was such a fulfillment uh, of that particular request. Ask God to lay somebody upon your heart. I could tell you of another gentleman and another gentleman here and there along the way that we've had the privilege of leading to Christ. There are hungry souls out there. And he said, nobody ever explained it to me. I've been going to church, but nobody ever explained it to me. Maybe he didn't hear it. I didn't hear it either until it was the appropriate time. I'd gone to church, but it wasn't an evangelistic church, evangelical church. But nevertheless, the Lord drew me unto himself. Thank you, Lord. We're in Acts chapter 9 today, and we're looking at a few thoughts in regards to a chosen vessel. And may I relate to you, and what you'll probably relate to me, and if you cannot relate that to me, please come and talk to us afterwards. Because we would long to have you part of the family of God that will sit across the table in glory when the banquet table is spread. And the Lord Jesus will be at the head of the table. If you can get that picture that you'll be there. But it will only be subject to what you do with him now. That will determine where you're going to be with him then. So the greatest red letter day in anyone's life is when a person has met with God and that for his salvation. I just touched upon it this morning, that God has never sent anybody to hell, nor will he. It's a choice. And everything has been done in order to avoid going to hell. He's not willing that any should perish. So he died for us in the person of his son, which a lot of the cults or the cults just don't really know because they are of the opinion that Jesus Christ is a is a created being. No, he's the creator. The devil would not want us to really know that he's the creator and the redeemer. That he came, that God had prepared for him a body. A body hast thou prepared for me. Why? Because, hey, listen, let me tell you, you cannot nail a spirit to a cross. So he took upon himself a body that has flesh and bones, that has blood, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So in that fashion he came, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. And thus he died. And that's why I thought that song that I tried to play, uh, apart from the crumbs that were in it. But anyway, that little song that I just played, the old rugged cross. You know, about the old rugged cross. When I survey it, watch and see it again. The blood of Jesus was pouring out from his veins with you, with you in mind, with me in mind. And now I must, I have no alternative but to tell others. More I could tell you about my testimony, but another time, if ever, you have me back. Someone has said, it is better felt than telt. 
when you come to know the Lord. You might not have altogether been able to put it together because we were spiritually illiterate, uh, but something happened, and after that you begin to blossom, and then you move along. But it was better felt than felt, and I'll always remember that particular day. And I could take you to the place where that transpired, and I know the day that it happened. And I also remember how distinctly God had informed me, uh-oh, you won't believe this, when that would happen. But because I was calling on him in a state of anguish. Now, judicially, he has passed, and all have passed, from death unto life, who have come to the one who died but rose again. And that, for me, was back in the mid-50s. Then I gave my life to the Lord, and it wasn't very long after that. He said, I have something else in mind for you than what you're doing right now, and that is to get into the ministry of the Word. So I went to the backside of the desert, Prairie Bible Institute, and had five years there. The reason why is because I was a slow learner, and I had to take an extra year or two. You know what I mean? All right. As an orphan, he has been adopted into God's family. God has a lot of sons and daughters that are his because he died for them and shed his blood for them. Now, the great crowd that will be in heaven have all come by the same way. And there's no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Got a question, Lord? Which way did you go? Well, he says, I went by way of the cross, and there I died for you, and then they buried me. But because there's no sin in me, the grave wasn't able to hold me, so I came forth three days later, and I was among you for a number of days, showing myself, even doubting Thomas. We heard something about that in Sunday school a bit earlier today. And uh, now I've gone to heaven, and I'm praying for you. Thank you, Lord. You realize that, don't you, that he's praying for you? I'll give you a verse for that. Where is it? John chapter 20, verse 21, where he says, Neither pray I for these alone, those who are his, but for them also which shall believe through their word. So he's going to pray for them also, which shall believe through their word. My word that I'm going to share with somebody else. Jesus says, now that the seed is planted, I'm going to pray for that soul. Does that make sense? Is that theologically correct? Help me out, you theologians. That's what the Lord says. So we've got to get the seed out. It's like farming. You can't expect a crop unless you do the sowing. So do the sowing, and the Lord will... Water it. He'll be praying for it. Watch to see what will transpire. Oh, it's, it's just so exciting. Second to one's own salvation, coming to know Christ, to see others, one here, one there. And uh, it would be too much to tell you of too many cases, but it's been very exciting. Paul, upon having that great conversion experience, which he did on the Damascus Road, he was forever changed. I'd venture to say if we really went in depth and saw his life, which was a life of many moments of distress, shipwreck, etc., etc., 
that there were times where it was a wee bit too, too heavy. But he never gave up. He focused upon the Lord and he kept on and he served well. I trust that we'll have time to relate a little bit as we progress. He delighted in calling himself a slave for Jesus Christ. We're committed to one thing or to another thing, and I trust it is to the Lord Jesus Christ to the degree that nothing else will fill my heart. And you really don't have him as Lord if he only has you in part. And the joy of the Lord will not be flowing in your heart if he only has you in part. If it be that there's too much room in your life for this, this world, we may suggest sin in the devil. I was in regards to a particular case we're working with, and this is how it looks to me. When we push for the world, the flesh will get so involved and the flesh will get so weak that the devil will move in and then we wonder why we have our complications. Does that make sense? Good outline for some of you. I think that this is where we're at, and this world is losing it. I'm thinking of the free world. The Christian world is losing it fast. It's not near as vital as what it used to be. And therefore, I'm su suggesting this. Is it possible to regain what we've lost? Or in some cases, perhaps never experienced? Absolutely. This is why the Lord says, Come unto me, all you that labor, away from him, that's what suggested we've moved away from him. That's why he says, come. In a sense, come back. And the verse goes on, come unto me, all you that labor. Away from the Lord, you'll be laboring. And he wants you to come back and rest in him. And then when you rest in him, there'll be a new glow and the windows will appear as though that there's uh, a glow that the neighborhood will want to come because you're here. There's something that's transpired in your life which needs to happen in my life, which needs to happen in your life. And may I inform you, when you're prepared to sow, call upon God, I mean business, Lord. No more me, but all of you. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. When that is the case, please understand the devil will throw everything at you, even the kitchen sink, if he can get away with it. But hey, listen, under his wing... We will abide because greater is he that is in you. And that, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a slave. A slave is at the disposal of his master. Yes, master, what is it? If we would do that morning by morning, I tell you, there's a joy that just begins to reach up and comes out of your life. And there's a real experience. I know Roland would be the first one to inform you that I'm really, from time to time, out of sorts. When I'm not in the master's business, and one thing that God particularly has called me to do, and that is to go into the highways and byways, and to go and knock on doors. And if it wasn't for the, doing that in our little church, it would have been closed a long time ago, because there's only five or six of the old crowd that's left in the little church that we're seeking to assist now, in addition, of course, to working with the gospel mission of South America. Well, Jesus said of Paul shortly after his conversion, go thy way, and then it is said in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, 
He is a chosen vessel unto me. Who? This Paul. Upon his conversion on Damascus Road. He had quite an experience, you know. Now, I didn't touch upon that, but it was a phenomenal experience. Now, a vessel has no will of its own. Piece of clay. But molded may we be by the hand of God. A vessel is open to be filled with what the master wills. Oh, let's back up a little bit. That vessel the Lord will fill. Subject to this one thing, and that is if it's emptied of all others. All other factors are gone. And it's been washed. And how can it be washed? How can you wash and get rid of the sin in your life but by the blood? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we're washed in the blood. We're cleansed. It's no longer I. Then I claim the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. We're talking about revival. And he will come in like a flood. And it will be the overflow that bless others. So don't be satisfied just being filled. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. My suggestion is, be filled and may the overflow bless others. And there's a lot of hungry souls everywhere. I could uh, share again of the dear souls I've had the privilege of meeting. He was an unclean vessel, however, before. We read that in verses 1 and 2 of Acts chapter 9. The Bible, as a matter of fact, says this, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Now, there are certain monsters who we write off. <laughs> He's hell-bound for sure. Can you think of any? Let me bring this to mind. And I lent this track to a Bible college professor somewhere along the way, and I never got it back. You know, you've got to watch out for these Bible school professors. Uh, if you lend them a book, you know they're good bookkeepers. Anyway, pardon me for putting it that way. But anyway, this was, listen, this was the conversion of Khrushchev. Anybody familiar with that name? You realize that he was converted in his ultimate end? That's why they put him out of circulation, because he had left the crowd, and now he's a believer. I could tell you more about that when a British sea captain particularly was in his presence, and he walked up in a particular meeting on the Black Sea Resort, and he got up and testified to faith in Jesus Christ, and he was hardly ever heard of since, because he now is an evangelical believer. A tough nut. But, you know, God specializes in cracking hard nuts. So if you think you're hard, just watch it. God can crack you real fast. Because if he loses you, it's his loss. So he'll do absolutely, that's a tough word, just analyze that a little bit. He'll do whatever it takes to bring you to the place where you will acknowledge him as your Savior. And now I think it may be that God is doing something, nationally speaking, that um, may bring us to where we at last will be about the master's business. Instead of our business. But it's going to be his business. 
We're going to be sold out. It's not going to be me anymore, but it's the Lord. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the church. There are certain monsters, yes, I know, but God died for them too. He's not willing that even such should perish. The Bible says such were some of you, but ye are washed. A phenomenal portion, and if ever I would preach here again, it might be on this particular portion, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3. That's an exciting portion, really describing whom we have been, if perhaps that is not whom we are. But even like Khrushchev, even like this one Paul, God was able to turn him around. He was an emptied vessel, verse 6. Lord, what wilt thou have me do? I wonder, in one, let's give it a year. If we as God's people together combined would suggest that, and we would be prepared, mean it with all of our heart, we'll make it this our prayer, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? I'll guarantee you one thing, that it's going to be totally of him, emptied of self, filled with himself, and again the overflow blessing others. And that's what this world needs to see. It needs to see real genuine Christianity. That people are able to get together on their knees and plead with God for the necessities round about. Yes, I've got a number of brothers. I've got four brothers. None of them are saved. Got one sister, very dubious. Three of them married men that knew the Lord. Three sisters. So that's what? I guess eight brothers and sisters. Yeah, and I'm the oldest. But I thank God that my dear father came to know the Lord when I began to share, and he was went to a particular meeting, and this specifically is where there was a turnaround, and I trust to see him in glory. He didn't always serve the Lord as such. Didn't grow up that way. But what about those, my brothers and sisters? The time is going to come, and it's going to be too late to reach them. I've got that time now. And they've heard. I've sat down with them all. My prayer is the seed sown that Jesus, you're praying for them, that we will know of their salvation some place up the road. What's the verse again? John chapter 20. Help me out. Verse 21. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe through their word. So Melvin, Albert, Joe, Rick, are you hearing? No, not necessarily, but the Lord is, that we're praying. We're praying for them and for Shirley. Now listen, he was emptied of self, which means his own plans and purposes are now abandoned. No more. The Lord has turned him upside down, shaken him well, emptied of himself. And when that happens, may I inform you, that is a crisis time in one's life. When the pride is gone, the self-righteousness is gone, and all the filth and the refuse of our life is gone. As a matter of fact, Paul ultimately got to the place where he called it dung, a pile out behind the barn. All of my righteousnesses, all that I am, all that I've ever been, it's nothing but dung. And he placed Christ, of course, high up in his life. He became a chosen vessel. Verse 15, it says, He is a chosen vessel unto me. 
Now, is he so special that uh, you don't meet up to that? You're very special. We have three daughters, and they're equally special. What about your kids? You think likewise equally of them. So does God of his children. You are a special creation, redeemed party that belongs to the Lord. Paul's testimony was, It pleased God who called me by his grace. Galatians chapter 1, verse 18. And, of course, we know it so well. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of works lest any man should boast. It's all of God. So now we're his. So if we're his, what are you trying to do? Run your own life. No. This is why there's minimal contentment in the average person's life. Minimal contentment in the church of Jesus Christ. We're come, we come frequently because it's somewhat of our duty, but I would just as soon tonight stay home. Am I stopped preaching and gone to meddling now? What do you think? Or am I right? It's a motivator, isn't it? To make us think, where really do we stand? What God did for Paul, he did according to his own good pleasure, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. Now, what God did for Paul, he has also done for you. In case one feels he has not chosen, there is a theological position in regards to that, and uh, Brother Doherty would say there's a Greek word for that, uh, baloney. Anyway, First John chapter 2, verses 2b. I'll read just a section there. God, and, and he, is the propitiation, or that's a substitute, for our sins. That's past, present, and future. Because a lot of your souls, you know, and you love them, but they've got to get saved again. They were saved, but they've got to get saved again. Because they sinned along the way. Well, I never found out when my children disobeyed God that had to get born again. But they may have lost a little bit of fellowship with us for a while, but never the relationship. Oh, I better stop that because I'm on a theological element here. But anyway, past, present, and future, all sin's gone, even tomorrow's sin. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So all are included because he's not willing that any should perish. You name them, he's not willing that they should perish. God's interest for you is that in the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth. Ephesians chapter 1, I think it's verse 10. Very briefly, he became consequently a filled vessel. Oh, Lord, no longer me. I've had enough of this old rack of bones. I'm giving it to you now. And then it is that God was revealed, was prepared to reveal his son to him. And nobody but nobody is of any value in terms of his kingdom until we have a good revelation of his son, Galatians chapter 
1, verses 15 and 16, it pleased God to reveal his son to me. And uh, furthermore, we could read it in Acts chapter 9, and particularly verse 16. What greater experience can a man have on earth to be in such contact with the Creator? Hey, listen, it can't be better than that. It can absolutely be not better than that when it's all of God, and then we will have all of God ourselves. So God's purpose was that I might preach him among the heathen. And I've had the privilege of being here, there, and a few other places, and see a few things transpire. Galatians chapter 1, verse 16. There is no one uncommissioned. If you're his, you are commissioned solely by the fact that you're part of his family. And that suggests you have to do your part. Well, Roland and I will always appreciate that there's much prayer going up from People's Church for our efforts as we reach into the highways and byways. And we thank God for a real measure of health and strength. And I'm not allowed to tell you how old Rola is, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but between the two of us, how old are we, Rola? I'm in Dutch now, boy. Anyway, 156, but we still have a full schedule. And uh, it's exciting. But don't tell anybody. I do take a little nap in the afternoon when I can get away with it, all right? Now, what our neighbors need is what flows in me as a believer. That they can see Jesus Christ in me. What does it say in Second Corinthians 4 and 7? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. All of God now. So he became a separated being. My time is gone. and oh, Can you take just a couple of minutes? I'm, I'll, I'll do the goodest I can do to finish up real fast. Like, All right. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Yes, Acts chapter 13, verse 20. And if you would just read a little bit before that, we realize that persecution had come upon the church of Jesus Christ. From Acts chapter 2 and through to chapter 13, we begin to see that the devil raises his head and is trying to stamp out this new, quote, cult, unquote. It was far removed from what the Pharisees were teaching and the scribes would want to be taught. God's best is for those who live in his courts, living close to the Lord. Nothing like it. I can tell you of little experience in regards to that because there have been times when I haven't been where I should be. Anyone else? I suppose we would say yes. But the Lord says, come. When you deviate from his direction, come. Come back. And when we do, the heart will begin to flow. So I would suggest this section of the word, Second Corinthians six seventeen and 18. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be a separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my son and daughter, saith the Lord God Almighty. So there's a separation that's needed, because this world is damned. It's going to burn. Don't be part of it. 
So he says, come to me because I'm going to take you and translate you into the bliss of glory. And I want you, therefore, to be separated from that which is going to burn. God separates the sheep from among the goats. God separates us from darkness to light. God separates us from death unto life. God separates us unto the more profitable employment, which is in the service of the King of Kings. What does it say in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, that you may prove it is that good and acceptable purpose of God. Try it. Well, don't just try it. Do it. And uh, God is not going to be a debtor. You can't outgive God. Very briefly, he became an honored vessel. We go now through a great part of his life when we come to 26 and 16 in the book of Acts. I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. That's why, Paul, you had that experience with me way back there in Acts chapter 9. Paul was used to turn many from darkness to light, as we read in that same chapter, chapter 26 and verse 18. An empty vessel has no attraction in itself. Paul had come to the end of himself. That's not necessarily the attraction. But that which filled his life was the attraction. And this is the section, if there's any that you remember tonight, would be this. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Verses 37 and 38. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and called, he cried rather, saying, If any man thirst, Lord, I'm thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We're in parched ground. But the Lord has promised, and he's not going to lose his reputation. This is what he said. This is what he's going to do. So now I'm an empty vessel, cleansed in the blood, and he'll fill me. And again, may the overflow bless others. Just in case you thought it was going to keep you until breakfast. Uh, we're in point number seven now, and this is the last one. He became a suffering vessel. It wasn't easy. None of it was easy. But oh, the joy in his heart. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 10, but particularly verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Listen, if we suffer for him, we shall also reign with him. So in the interval between now and then, may we comply with what God has for us. He was converted Acts 9 and verse 6, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. He was baptized in Acts chapter 9 and verse 18. And he shared his faith with others. Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. What a marvelous life. And then lastly, he has gone to his reward. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. I trust that, dear folk, we'll be able to sit across the table one from another with Jesus at the head in that day when he's going to call his own home, when our work is complete. How? 
I trust that I've explained it to some degree that you place Christ first in all whom you be, what you do, what you say, and nothing of self. Brother Larry.